Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is TJ Inman and Matt Weaver from Pigs.com. Today's episode of the Hoosier Huddle Broadcast is brought to you by Sports Drink your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. Uh, A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social media. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sportsdrink without the vowels. All we ask you to do is to close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. Matt, we'll start with you. How are you doing? And, um, you know, June is that month in the past where IU's gotten a a handful of commitments and things like that. How is the recruiting landscape for Indiana football? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Um, You know, for IU, I mean, this is going to be a smaller class, so it's a little bit slower um, at this time. I think, you know, probably last season's playing a little bit of a part in that. Um, You know, they've they've got, I think, three commits. and uh, they got some official visits. They haven't had any so far this month, um, but they're going to have a handful of guys coming in um, uh, this weekend and then uh, another group coming in the following weekend. Um, you know, a lot of schools have already had a couple weekends of official visits. IU, uh, the first weekend of June, had a mega camp on that Friday. Then their coaches went out on the road to some other camps. Um, and then last weekend, I think they were doing some other camps as well on the road and, and didn't have any visitors. So, like I said, smaller class, I think, like, high school-wise, uh, around 15 guys. Um, basically one player at every position except for um, offensive line and safety. You'll have uh, multiple guys there. But so you can – you're – you are you know, that, I guess that's a blessing with maybe coming off a four season. Um, you have a smaller class. So you can maybe wait, you know, hopefully bounce back on the field and then, you know, and then um, – you know, maybe get some guys uh, a little bit later than normal. Um, you know, if you have, if you put together a solid season on the field, so um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, how many guys they get this month, and how many they have at December. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and then, you know, how many, how many they try if they try to wait on some guys to the second signing period and even further into the spring. And then there'll be transfers in this class too. It's impossible to say right now how many because you just don't know what the attrition is going to look like. But there, there will be some transfers before it's all said and done because I think taking transfers uh, is going to be a yearly uh, occurrence for all programs. Uh, with there's there's a big change in uh, recruiting rules this uh, this spring met with the the overall scholarship numbers aren't changing, but to get to that limit of 85, uh, they uncapped class size. So even with that rule, IU is going to be at a smaller class. Well, yeah, because part of the reason, I mean, even though they've, they've, you know, they, they, they've uncapped the 25, you still got to stay at the 85 and, you know, Indiana, because of all the, the turnover, I mean, they're, they're right now they've got 35 new guys coming in this year. I mean, it's almost half your roster. Um, if my math's right, I'm pretty sure it's 35 and they're still waiting on uh, a Juco um, edge guy, Dean Miller, um, who's supposed to be announced at any time. And so if they get him, that'll be 36 guys. 
you know, there's a lot of, you know, some of those guys obviously are one-year guys. You know, they're only going to be here for a year. They're transfers that are just coming in for one season. But the lot, majority of them are guys that have multiple years of eligibility left. So they just don't – I don't think they're going to have as much room um, on the 85-man roster now. If they do have another big class, then obviously things have probably not gone well this season on the field. Um, and guys are, are jumping ship. So, you know, you probably don't want to have a bigger class in 23. You probably want to, you know, you probably hope that it's a little bit smaller than, than the last couple classes or at least this most recent class in 22. Um, but, yeah, you still got to stay under the 85. So, I, you know, will they get to 25 and 23 for the 2023 class? It's impossible to say. Like I said, right now the plan is around 15 high school kids and then fill in the gaps with some transfers. Um the slowness uh, in the end's class it's at three people right now um the last few years you know with visits not being um not being available due to covid is this kind of the product of official visits being back that people are waiting and not not making these early decisions uh it could be um you know, they did, you were, I'm trying to think it when they were allowed to have visits last year. Um, uh, for the 22 one, class. Uh, yeah. I don't think they had any in the summertime if I remember right. Um, well, actually they, they did have some in the summertime, my bad. So I think they, actually, I think they opened it up back up in June, around June 1st of last year. It, everything That's was right. closed until then. Um, so I just think, I think, it, you know, I mean, I, I think Indiana is, you know, um, you know, kind of taking a little bit slower, you know, um, obviously there's some guys they probably would have loved to have. I mean, they've been, they've, they've gone after some big fish, but you know, I do think, you know, everybody talks about, they thought the two and 10 season would hurt last year's class. That class was already pretty much in. You usually see the byproduct of either a, a, a good season or a poor season, not in the class you're recruiting at that time, but in the following class. So the next year, um, and I'm not saying, you know, it doesn't mean they can't have a good class. You can still put together a good class. This staff has shown they can recruit even in, you know, at less than ideal conditions. Um, and I, and I expect that to be the case. Now, if you put together back to back really poor seasons, that's going to make it a lot tougher. Um, there's going to be whispers about, you know, job security and, and the state of the program and stuff like that. I mean, it's just, that's natural. I'm not, you know, that's just, that's with every program when they have back to back four years. So, you know, that it's imperative to me that they go out and, and have a pretty solid season this year and show improvement uh, because that will, that will translate to, recruiting success um in december and then again in february uh, tj go ahead yeah I, I that was my question was going to be have you heard from recruits kind of a, a hesitancy or a wait and see attitude with um you know wanting to see how indiana was going to bounce back or if indiana was going to bounce back um you know before getting really serious about their interest in the hoosiers but um, you know, you kind of answered that one there, but in terms of, uh, you know, positions, I know the one everybody's always curious about would be quarterback uh, with Indiana taking uh, Brandon Sorsby in the 2022 class and then getting Connor Basilak, who does have multiple years of eligibility. Uh, do you think Indiana, you know, wants to have a quarterback in this class? Uh, and then second question after that, what do you believe is kind of the primary position of focus for Indiana that they know we have to bring in, uh, you know, some, some quality players to this particular position in the class that they're most heavily focused on? Yeah, I mean, they, they got a quarterback a couple weeks ago in Brock Lowry from Ohio. 
Um, kind of an under the radar guy, um, but if you watch his film, it kind of reminds me of Sorsby. Um, he's he's uh, you know six three, one ninety five, can run, throws the ball pretty good. Um, so I think he fits. You know, I, I expect them to take a quarterback in this class, even after getting Sorsby and Bazelak, because you know Walt Bell. You know, coaches want to get a quarterback in every class if possible. Now, in today's day and age with the transfer portal, that's not as not as uh, urgent. Uh, if you will, you know, and to get, maybe get a high school kid. Sometimes you can get um, a guy who's leaving after a year and he's basically a, a young player. So, but yeah, they got their quarterback. I would say the two positions, like I mentioned before, O-line, they want to take four guys. They've got one right now. Um, they'd like to take two interior guys and two tackles. Um, you know, the one they've got is William Larkins from out of uh, down in Miami. I think it's Shamanad Madonna is where he goes. His teammate, DeAndre Duffus, will be on campus with him. They'll both be here, um, not this weekend, but I think the following weekend, the 24th. Those would be the two interior guys. They've. It looks like, I mean, Luke Burgess came out with his top three. He's an O-tackle from New Palestine. You know, it's, I think it was Louisville, uh, Florida State, North Carolina. So, Indiana doesn't look like they're in the race there. The other in-state tackle, Trevor Locke, and I think I'm pronouncing that right, L-A-U-C-K from, um, I think he's from Chittard or Ron Colley. I apologize, I can't remember which school. Uh, I just haven't heard anything on him. There's no buzz. I haven't heard that he's visiting. And if you've noticed, if you've been paying attention to offers, they've offered a lot of tackle type guys, high school guys over the last couple of weeks at these camps. Um, so it looks like maybe they're kind of moving on uh, to some other guys. Uh, Austin Barrett is visiting this weekend from over Illinois. He's a tackle. So maybe he's a possibility, but that uh, O-line and then safety. They, they, if you look at the roster, they got a lot of uh, senior safeties, you know, yeah. monster, um, Jonathan Haynes, Brian Fitzgerald, a lot of guys that are that are in their last year at IU, um, and they're going to have to replace that position. So that's a spot where they'll probably take two or three guys in this class. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if you also see him bringing a transfer at that spot, um, you know, just to kind of bridge the gap between some of the young, younger players um, and the guys they left, they, they, excuse me, that they lost or will be losing. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about Lowry, so my bad on that one. Um, so I guess a follow-up question to that would be uh, something I'm always interested in is what kind of quarterback do you want to target? And I think that we're starting to to maybe see what Walt Bell's vision of, of a quarterback in his system is. Um, to me, at least, it appears to be a guy capable of running the ball, capable of making quick, accurate throws. Uh, do, you, do you think that we are starting to see kind of a, a philosophy in terms of what Walt Bell wants as a quarterback, or do you believe it's kind of just coincidence that those are players he happened to like uh, that he brought in? No, I think he wants guys that can run and throw. Um, I think you're exactly right. Now, Bazelak probably is not the runner that right. um, you know you probably like, but when you're going to the transfer portal, obviously the pickings are a lot slimmer than when you go into high school. You got a lot bigger pool of players to pick from, you know. And they and I think they really wanted to get. I mean, it was imperative. I mean, Tom Allen talked about it, and just you know, he said we are going to sign a transfer quarterback, and they obviously did Bazelak. So, you know, they were after some other guys that maybe could run a little bit better than Bazelak. But I think there's things that he can do um, as long as you can protect him. Obviously, that's the big big question, the big key. But I think if you could protect him, he's a guy that can really make some plays for you. I don't think he's going to do a ton with his legs, but I don't think he's a statue either. I think, you know, worst case scenario, he gets you a few yards and, you know, doesn't kill you on certain on certain plays where things break down. But I do think a guy like Sorsby, who if you watch his film, he runs really, really well. Lowry looks like a guy who runs well too. So I think those kind of guys 
um, you know, those are the kind of guys that he's going to target. I think that's, I think in Indiana, that's the kind of guy you kind of have to have. Uh, unless you're going to go out and get a bunch of stud O linemen and you can just sit back there or, or you're going to play, you know, maybe a system kind of like, um, you know, a, an air raid system where you're going to get rid of the ball quick and throw it all over the place. You know, but I think I think they're going to want a guy that can run and throw. And with these two high school, uh, you know, the signee and now the commit, um, you've kind of seen that they're, they seem to be very similar. And I think that's a great point by you. Yeah, I, I think it's almost necessary. And I, I feel like I brought this up before on the podcast um, and on the site that I, I think that the previous staff, and this could have been out of necessity, it could have been that they, they weren't sure what type of quarterback they wanted or that they thought they could make multiple different uh, types of guys fit. Um, but I, I did feel like there was a bit of a um, scattergun approach to the types of quarterbacks that they would target, whereas I feel like you want them to be all a similar type of player. They're not going to be the exact same guys, obviously, and you can't just have them be completely interchangeable. Uh, but I do think having very similar types of quarterbacks that you can run the same offense with without having to make wholesale changes, I think that's a much better way of going about things. Um, and that, that could have been what Nick Sheridan really wanted to do. But, you know, when a guy like Michael Penix kind of falls into your lap um, and and has the arm talent that Penix has, you know, that, that changes the equation somewhat. But um, I, I do hope to see a more concerted effort to have quarterbacks one through four are similar type players to where if one goes down or if you have a guy leave or if you have a guy graduate, you don't need to change your offensive system if that system is working in order to accommodate a new type of quarterback. No, I, I agree. And I think you can even go back to Kevin Wilson. You went from you know, Trey Roberson to Nate Sudfeld to yeah. uh, Xander Diamant to Richard Lego. I mean, you couldn't have been more polar opposite as far as what they could do and couldn't do. And, you know, Kevin Wilson always said they, the offense doesn't change. I'm sorry. I just don't believe that. I don't believe it. You're not running the same offense with Nate Sudfeld that you're running with Trey Roberson because they don't do the same things, not even close. Um, so, and I think, I think Indiana has gotten a little bit closer. You know, Penix wasn't much of a runner, you know, but he had decent speed. He could run. He just didn't want to. Um, but I think he's closer. The quarterbacks they've gotten under Tom Allen have been closer in skill set than what it was with the previous staff, where it was just kind of all over the place. I think they've been closer. I don't know if they've been exactly the same, but I do think they've gotten closer. The prototype has been, you know, more similar than what it has been in the past. And and I agree with you. I think that's important going forward because, you know, you're already playing a little bit behind the eight ball at Indiana and certain, with certain things. So, you know, quarterback's such an important position, and if you have to go back and forth with how you run things, it just makes it so much harder to be successful. Yeah. All right, Matt, if we had to um, take a guess on who's who's going to pop next, uh, you said, um, was it Dean Miller uh, can can commit any day, but uh, who would be your your next next man out uh, if you if you have to look into your crystal ball? Well, I would say now, I mean, as far as the guys coming this weekend, you know, they've got five, uh, Amiri Farrell, safety from Florida, Austin Bear, as I mentioned before, from over St. Charles, Illinois, Jalen Aborum from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Ethan Cole, another safety from Florida, Jalen's a, a corner, by the way, and to Darius Collins, a D lineman from Shreveport. I'm not really sure where these guys all sit as far as the recruitment. 
Um, you know, I, I don't even know if, how many they made visits, but you know, if DeAndre Duffus was visiting this weekend, I would say for him, there could be a guy in this group this weekend that, that pops. But right now, gun to my head, I would say DeAndre Duffus, the teammate of William Larkins, the O-lineman. He's listed as no tackle, uh, but he's being recruited to play guard. Um, and he'd be, he'd be a nice get. He's got some good, good, um, good offers. Another guy, keep an eye on, Jacavian Rogers. Um, he, he's listed as an athlete. He's coming in that same weekend with the, the Florida guys, the, the two linemen, the 24th. He's from uh, Dangerfield, Texas. Um, I use recruit him as a receiver, and I know they like him. And he's told me that he's really high on Indiana. So I think if that visit goes good, I could see him popping that weekend too. A.J. Thomas, the edge guy, is coming in the 24th. From uh, He's committed to Louisiana Tech from Ruston, Louisiana. He's being recruited by IU as a bull. I think if that visit goes well, I think they could flip him. So, you know, I, I have a little bit better feel for the guys actually in that, that weekend as far as where they stand with their recruitment. But I wouldn't be shocked if you see one or two guys. I mean, June's when guys usually pop because in July they start getting ready for their season. And a lot of these guys want this over with when they when they start their fall camps or, you know, their preseason practice. So it wouldn't shock me if a few guys, you know, pull the trigger and Indiana's, you know, at – four or five, six commitments, um, and maybe even more by the end of the month. All right, Matt, we're going to switch over to the 2022 season and the schedule. I, I know we, we've talked a lot about this uh, offline, and I know TJ and I have talked a lot about this online uh, as well. This is a huge year for Indiana football. kind of seems that they're at a crossroads uh, if they don't get back on track, um, you know, maybe a tough decision has to be made uh, regarding uh, Coach Allen and um, and all those things. I, but the schedule is kind of set up for for a, a, an early hot start, and I I believe it's absolutely necessary to start with a win. If not, go four and zero. Making Cincinnati a, almost a must-win game. If you look at that back end of the schedule, uh, let's start with the opener, Matt. What are your thoughts on the opener? Is this an absolute must-win uh, for Indiana to get back on track to wash away that two and ten uh, season last year and kind of, you know, start turning the tide that that last year was the fluke and not twenty twenty. You know, it's interesting. I actually did a video yesterday for um, 247 where we had I did a schedule breakdown. So uh, it's funny that we're talking about this again today. I, I, I said this and I've said this to you, you know, when we've just off like, you know, off air. Um, I think the Illinois game, it's weird to say this because nothing against Illinois, but obviously they haven't been great the last few years and it's the first game of the season. But I think this is as big as a game that this program's had in a long time. I, I think it's an absolute must win. I think you have to win this game. I think it's the game they can win. I actually predicted a win in my schedule breakdown that I did for two four seven. Um, I think it's gonna be a tough game. I mean, Brett Bielema, the one thing his teams do, they play hard nose, you know, smash mouth football. You know, they're gonna run the ball. Last year they couldn't throw the ball at all. I mean, they were not good throwing the ball, and they went into Penn State and beat Penn State by running the ball and controlling the clock. And you know, I don't know what their their personnel is gonna be like this year. I know they got a transfer quarterback from Syracuse and a new OC, so it'll be interesting to see how they play, but. This is a winnable game, and it's a game, quite honestly, you have to win. You're going to be coming out. They, they're going to know nothing about you. Indiana's not going to have played a game. I think they've played, they'll have played one. Um, they play week zero, I believe, against Wyoming or something like that. So you'll have a little bit of film on them. But, yeah, this is a must-win game, for, in my opinion, for Indiana. I think if you lose this game, boy, you're, it, this is a program that's fragile mentally after last year. And, they, and I, even with all the new players, 
you need to get off to a good start and get some momentum and get some confidence going inside that locker room. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this is an absolute must-win game, especially if you're counting wins to six, because you still have road trips before you get to homecoming. You have road trips to Cincinnati and a night game at Nebraska as well. So getting to those six wins. Now, you don't really know what these teams look like right now, but uh, getting to those six wins, Illinois has to be one of them. TJ, any additional thoughts on on the opener? So I, I'm certainly looking forward to the game. I, I mean, you've got Tommy DeVito as the likely quarterback for Illinois. Um, I know we're going to have uh, your kind of first look preview at Illinois coming out. Um, they've they've got some definite strengths. Uh, I think that their running game, particularly their the skill of their running backs, is going to be something that IU's defense is going to be. Uh, definitely studying hard all all off season, all summer, trying to figure out uh, the best way to defend those guys. Uh, a really dynamic duo there. I don't think their wide receivers are particularly great. Uh, so Indiana secondary should, I say should, uh, be able to have a nice game. And, and I do think that there's some holes on that offensive line for Illinois that hopefully IU uh, and Tom Allen can scheme up ways to to get some pretty consistent pressure on DeVito, who is a player capable of good performances, but I do think he'll make some mistakes for you as well. Uh, and hopefully those are mistakes that IU's defense will capitalize on, uh, something that they did not do enough of last year, forcing uh, turnovers. So uh, I, I think that there's a, a real chance there for Indiana's defense to you know, hopefully turn Illinois into a one-dimensional attack by kind of limiting that running game uh, and seeing if Tommy DeVito is up to the task of beating the Hoosiers. But, you know, we are going to know an awful lot about Illinois after their game against Wyoming, who is a capable opponent. Uh, that That's going to be, I think, very telling uh, for us heading into that opener, which is, for better or worse, something that Illinois will not be able to say about Indiana. Uh, new offensive coordinator for the Illini, just like IU. Um, so I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the Illini's focus is. They're going to be running something that they call a Tim Pro offense, which I think is Brett Bielema kind of very grudgingly uh, giving way to the, the tempo attack. Uh, but I, I just I find it hard to believe that we're going to see anything other than some smash mouth football from Illinois uh, and Brett Bielema. I, I think that they will lean on that until you stop it and make them do something else. Uh, so the challenge is going to be pretty clear for IU. And look, if they're not ready to go for that one, um, I'm not saying it's a, a must win in terms of the rest of the season is completely shot if they lose it, but if they come out and lay an egg in the opener like they did last year, uh, th then I think that we can very safely say that the rot runs deeper than we than we hoped it would. Yeah, after Illinois, uh, Idaho comes in. It's the second year in a row that Idaho comes in. There, Idaho I think opens up with Washington State, so they'll have um, yep. they'll have a, a Power Five game under their belt as well. Uh, Idaho, IU handled Idaho easily last year. I would expect the same. Do you think any different, Matt? 
You no, know, I, I think that'll be. I mean, that that's a game that, uh, quite honestly, if you're not playing your third stringers midway through the third quarter or late in the third quarter, uh, you know, it's something's gone wrong. So I, I think that's a game where you uh, you get some of your young players, um, maybe one of those four games if you plan on redshirt and getting them some experience in that game, and and you you know that should be uh, that game should be over pretty early. Well, it's a 8, 8 p.m. start, so it'll be over pretty late. Well, early, early as in early as in the actual, you know, like what, what quarter it's over and not the actual clock time. Uh, it'll be over I'm way past surprised. bedtime. I'm um, surprised that that one uh, was an 8 o'clock. Uh, it's a BTN game. I think IU picks – I think IU gets to request what time. I, I like the night games in September, especially if it's going to be a gazillion degrees. Um, yeah. The next game up is Western Kentucky at um, – at noon on September 17th. This is a game that IU hung on last year too on the road, uh, which is a, I, I hate these two for one series with group of five, um, with group of five games. Uh, that place was pumped up for that game. It was a blackout. I, I know it's a smaller stadium, but uh, it, it was just not an environment that you would want to send your team into um, that, that's fragile. But Western Kentucky, they lose their offensive coordinator. They lose a lot of offensive skill players. That game, to me, I think is you should you you should win. You might not blow them out like you do Idaho, uh, but that's a game you should win comfortably. Do you agree, Matt? Yeah, I do. And it's interesting, like you said, they they lost. Uh, I think it's Zach Kitley. He went to Texas Tech or went back to Texas Tech. Um, great offensive mind. And then Bailey Zapp, obviously, is out of eligibility and some receivers. The guy who's taken over um, has kind of worked that offense with him. I expect him probably to play the same kind of offense, but the difference is, you know, you don't have a guy like Bailey Zapp that's flinging all over the field. He was so good in that offense, just set incredible numbers um, doing that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's the game. Obviously, it'll be a little bit more competitive, a little bit tighter. I, I don't think it'll be as close as it was last year where basically Indiana was, you know, one possession away from losing that game. Um, at least you don't, you hope not. I, I think it'll be a game by the end. It, Indiana pulls away in the fourth quarter and wins by you know maybe like ten, thirteen points, something like that. Uh, yeah, they they but, lost some receivers and offensive linemen as well, both to graduation and to transfer. Um, I, I I think that the scheme of that attack is going to look very similar. I think the execution of it is going to be quite different. Um, at least we would expect, uh, given. The, the losses that they have. And that's not a program you would expect to be able to just reload right away. Yeah, we've seen what, what when Western Kentucky is really good. It takes them a couple years to to um, to rebound after they, they lose uh, their pieces. Uh, the next uh, coming up after Western Kentucky, you have uh, a two-game road, road swing starting in Cincinnati. And to me, this is another fork-in-the-road game uh, I, I Cincinnati loses a lot, but they're coming off a college football playoff uh, appearance. They beat Notre Dame on the road. They'll still have some good pieces, um, but it's not going to be the same team as as last year. You lose, they lose Desmond Ritter, uh, Sauce Gardner. It was with my Jets uh, and, and uh, a couple of wide receivers off that team. Uh, another defensive back. A lot of talent has moved on. I, while Cincinnati does move to the Big 12 next year, uh, and their recruiting class is um, moving up the lists, uh, to me, I think this is another 
uh, like defining game of the season. If you win this game, you're in business. I mean, just starting four and zero, and you just have to get two more to get to a bowl game, which you hope would be Maryland and Rutgers uh, d- down the road. But this is this is not going to be a walk in the park. There's no game time set for this. I would assume that'll be a three thirty or night game uh, in Cincinnati. That is a very tough place to play uh, in in Nippert Stadium. Uh, Matt, is, is this game? Is this the fork in the road game that if IU wins, they could they could get back on track to having not a special season like 2020, but at least back to the postseason? Yeah, I called it. I think in my thing I did for two four seven, I called them swing games, and to me, this is a swing game. Um, Illinois is a swing game. I think Cincinnati, Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers, Purdue. Those are games when I call them by swing games, or it's games where on paper, you can compete with this team. Your talent level is not that much different than what they have. Um, and you got to get some of these swing games. I actually predicted them to lose this game in my prediction, but to, uh, it, it, but to go to Nebraska and get a win, I know we haven't talked about Nebraska yet, because basically when I'm comparing coaches, uh, I feel much better going up against Scott Frost than I do Luke Fickle. So I, I think if, think if you're going to pull out a road win, I think you're going to beat Scott Frost and his you know clownish stuff over uh, a guy like Luke Fickle who's really, really good. So Matt is not a fan of Nebraska. Um, I know, uh, TJ, anything to add on on Cincinnati? It's going to be a, a really tough one to win. Just, I mean, you're, you're, Indiana definitely talks a lot about culture, and, and I think that that's justified. But, um, you know, Cincinnati, for the – as good as Luke Fickle is, and he's definitely elevated the program to another level. I mean, with the exception of uh, – you know, Tommy Tuberville's tenure there, and he appeared to be more interested on lining up a, you know, political career than coaching football at that point in in time. Uh, With the exception of his tenure, Cincinnati's been really good. So, you know, I I don't expect there to be some uh, significant drop-off just because of personnel losses. They've they've got it ingrained there. Uh, Luke Fickle's, um, you know, recruiting really well, and uh, that's a program that I think has about as much positive momentum as you could possibly want in yep. terms of moving into the Big 12, fan base, draft, the guys that got drafted and, and feeling good about that uh, combined with their season that they had last year and Luke Fickle signing on for more years and opting to stay on. Uh, I, I think that that's going to be an incredibly difficult game for IU to go win uh, that being said, I, I think if you get through the first three games at 3-0, and uh, you can go to Cincinnati without a whole lot of pressure, um, knowing that you've done what you had to do in the first three weeks of the season. Uh, and if you go to Cincinnati and get a win, obviously you, you kind of have successfully completely hit the reset button from last year. Um, I, I would be very surprised without – Knowing what IU is going to look like, I'd be surprised if IU won at Nippert Stadium. But, um, you know, we saw an Indiana team that turned out to be really bad, really went toe-to-toe with the Bearcats and had them in big-time trouble last year. So it's not like the talent gap between the two sides is overwhelming. Uh, no, the difference was – I mean, the difference in last year's game was the quarterback play, Micah McFadden yeah. getting ejected right before the first half, and Tim Baldwin – I guess we'll call it a fumble, Matt. Uh, dropped the ball, fumbled it, 
I don't know if it was his fault or not, but fumbled it at the goal line um, where IU was going to go in, and I believe it would have been a six-point lead. Uh, they, you know, I, I think what IU fans don't remember in that game and probably goes under the radar a little bit, after IU took the lead, Cincinnati took one to the house in the ensuing kickoff. And yeah, I, I think that was – that was the backbreaker in that game to me. Now there was a lot of big body blows from Cincinnati uh, and too late. Michael Penix interceptions set Cincinnati up with, with great field position um, and, and put the icing on the cake. But that game was a heck of a lot closer than, than 14. Um, it was a 14 point loss last year, I believe. Uh, then 14 points. Let's get on to Nebraska. Nebraska is once again on the list for, turnaround they'll surprise people scott frost is the greatest coach in the history of uh american football and those things but indiana went in there in 2019 kind of under the same circumstances in terms of it was the second game of a uh, two-game road trip that um as matt said called them swing games it was at maryland which was a swing game in 2019 and then at uh, in, in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. Uh, it, I think that's going to up the ante a little bit in terms of atmosphere. Matt, you were out there uh, with me in 2019. That atmosphere, it's loud, uh, especially for 85,000. Uh, you go to a place like Michigan with 110,000, it's not nearly as loud as Nebraska is. Um, you know, we'll see where Nebraska is in terms of uh, what their program um, is like. This is, a, I, like you speak about um, fragile fragile football programs. I think Nebraska is um, a little fragile mentally as well. It They're coming off a bye week, but their game before that is against Oklahoma, um, which is, that's one of the best rivalries in college football. They have to play Northwestern in Dublin. Uh, but they should get two wins against North Dakota and, and Georgia Southern. So I, I, I'd expect them to come into that game three and one as well. So I don't see the whole doom and gloom thing for Scott Frost. But, Matt, tell me about this game. It's another swing game, but you, you predicted them, IU, to go in and, and beat Nebraska. Uh, is that just solely because of Scott Frost? I don't know. I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sold on, I mean, on Nebraska. I mean, I don't know if I, you know, they, they brought in a good transfer quarterback in Casey Thompson from Texas. I think they've had some other portal guys. I think he shook up his staff a little bit. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's got a new OC. I could be wrong on that, or he's given up the play calling. Somebody else has taken over. I'm just not sold on him. I mean, I'm just, I, you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe they will be a bounce back team. Maybe they're a team that's uh, going to be a lot better than, than I think, but to me, they're, it's a prove it. It's a prove it thing. I'm, and I know they're going to be it's placing them. It was loud when we went there. They're, you know, that who knows? Maybe they'll do a black shirt game or something like they did when I you played there three years ago. But if they if they lose to Northwestern, and I mean they're going to they're going to lose Oklahoma most likely. Uh, you yeah, know, they could be two and two. They they could be a wounded animal for that game. You know, so it'll be interesting coming off a of bye week. Uh, you know, if, and if they get drilled by Oklahoma at home, and you got two weeks to stew about that, it'll be interesting to see where their mind is. But um, you know, I just, I'm just not sold on them. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll see, they've had a lot of change. I think, uh, like I said, I think they've hit the portal fairly hard. Um, I haven't followed all their guys coming and going, but 
you know, I just, I, you know, that just looks like a program where they're, 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 they're grasping for straws. I mean, you know, they're just trying to keep their head above water. And um, even as much as Indiana has taken a step back, I, I still don't think they've fallen behind Nebraska quite yet. Yeah. Uh, TJ, anything to add there? I, I, it is a big year for Nebraska. They haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. Um, where, where do you see this? Are you as confident as Matt is in this game, or is this uh, is this more of a bear of a game to you? You might have lost TJ. Uh, moving on. Oh, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry okay. about that. That's all yeah. right. Uh, so are I, you as I don't think so. Matt in Nebraska. Yeah, I don't think we have any way of knowing yet uh, kind of what um, what to expect from that one. I, I think that you're right. Nebraska um, is a team that, that's kind of teetering on the edge of, of what they're going to be. Um, I think that there's an argument to be made that with the support that they have, uh, the NIL and, and the transfer portal is going to be a win for them um, in kind of the, the medium term. Uh, that they could kind of switch their roster around with some high-profile transfers. Uh, how good Casey Thompson is, we'll see. There are times at Texas where he did, you know, look the part. Uh, and there's other times where I think he would remind you quite a bit of, it, of uh, the quarterback that they frustrated and suffered with for a while, which is Martinez. Um, a guy that's capable of making, you know, really good plays and then immediately having a backbreaking mistake that costs you a game. Um, so I, I, I think we'll see on that front. Uh, I do think that they have gotten some good additions. However, you know, they've lost some guys too. I mean, there were guys that's particularly on defense that uh, made a lot of plays for them that are not there anymore. Guys that, uh, that transferred or, uh, are in the NFL now. Um, so I, I, I think that that's a game that, depending on the form of Indiana and the form of Nebraska at that time, it it could be a, a real swing game for, for both sides. I mean, that's a that's one that Nebraska, despite what IU did to them last time, I, I guarantee you that 95% of their fans, if not more, already have that one as a W in pen uh, when they're going through their schedule. I mean, there's no question in their mind that, oh, it's Indiana. Yeah, that's a win. Um, and that, that's the mindset there. And, uh, you know, I think the Scott Frost and his tenure, uh, I think that they'd like for that to work out for sure, because, you know, where do you go from there if it doesn't? And they've got a, a fairly new AD in Trev Albert, the former Nebraska football player, a, you know, a legend there, much like Scott Frost. That, that's not an easy decision to move on from him. So they're going to give him every chance possible to get it. But if it's another bad season, which would include a loss to Indiana, at some point you've got to cut your losses and try and figure out something else. So um, it'll be a fun atmosphere for IU to play in for sure. Uh, hopefully we're going there with some confidence. So based on some previous uh, good results. And next up, we go to homecoming against Michigan. This game was moved up uh, with some of the scheduling uh, changes, uh, which 
it broke up ending the season with Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue. So I think Indiana got a break there. But it's a homecoming noon game. Uh, the last time into Memorial Stadium, Michigan got run out of the building. Uh, they got some revenge last year uh, up at the big house. It, it, I don't want to say it's a toss-up game, but Michigan's come in here at noon on, on homecoming, and Indiana's made it close before. Um, we, I expect Michigan to win this game, uh, but could a homecoming crowd, Matt, change the tides here? How big is this homecoming crowd, especially if you get through that um, those first five games at four and one? Yeah, I mean this this could be obviously if you if you could somehow get this game and, and go to five and one, you know, halfway through your season, you know, I mean you don't want to be like we'll just have to get we're just gonna get one more win, but it puts you in a position where you know some games on the second half of the season, you know, are that are going to be really tough or are not as do or die. So, um, you know, it, it's what's interesting to me is that this game was was the homecoming game when you got Maryland the following week. I mean, Michigan usually travels fairly well, so you figured you might make Maryland homecoming to maybe have two good crowds in a row. But uh, I always thought that was kind of interesting when I saw that was homecoming. But it, it, it's, um, you know, uh, it, you know, Michigan obviously proved some doubters wrong last year with what they did against Ohio State and making it to the, uh, to the, the, to the Big Ten playoff and the championship game, um, winning the East. So, um you know, it's I, I it's you just never know with a Michigan team. I mean, are they are they as good as they were last year, or are they what they were before that? When you know they were for Michigan standards, kind of mediocre. Um, you know, and it's still still a good team, but not the greatness that you expect from Michigan. So, I you know, it's just it'll, it'll be interesting. With you know, with, in today's day in college football, it's just so much harder to talk about stuff because. You know, I mean, first of all, we haven't even seen Indiana. I mean, the last time we saw Indiana, they were getting their their rear ends handed to them up in West Lafayette. We haven't seen them in a long time, and, and we may not see them until the first game. Who knows? But with the transfer portal, teams just change so much anymore. It's almost like a NFL team where you have free agency, and you don't really know until you see your team on the field. So, you know, this is a game I think where Indiana can be competitive, but I, I, I think Michigan's a better team. Yeah, I, I agree. Um We'll move on to Maryland. We'll start with TJ. Maryland comes in. Uh, IU lost to Maryland last year. It seems like this matchup always determines which one of the programs goes to a bowl game or not. Uh, it, yeah. It's been a really close matchup since Maryland joined the Big Ten. I wouldn't call it a rivalry, but there have been some really, really good games uh, between the two programs. Uh, TJ, what's your read on Maryland? I, I think that both programs would not like to acknowledge how similar they are um, in terms of stature, but I, I think that they are right there with each other in terms of the pecking order. And um, I do think that whoever wins that contest uh, is, you know, the odds on favorite to, to get a bull slot, you know, out of the East. Um, whereas the other team is going to be somewhere five and seven or, or lower. Uh haven't really dove into the um, Maryland stuff yet. I, I, I will just say Mike Loxley in terms of a coach, I don't think all that much of him in terms of a coach, but uh, every time I hear the man interviewed, I, I am, I can't help but, uh, but like him. Uh, I do think he's incredibly likable and uh, he's done some interviews here. Most recently, most recent one I heard was uh, on, on, uh, 
I don't know the name of this show, the morning show on uh, 1070 The Fan here, the local show in Indianapolis uh, with Jake Query and uh, I think Kevin Bowen. Uh, and, and they interviewed Mike Loxley for a piece on a guy the Colts drafted uh, from Maryland. And I thought Mike Loxley, again, I, I was, couldn't help but, but like the guy. So uh, haven't dove into the Maryland personnel yet. I, I know that they are going to be talented. Um, I think the question for them, as, as it always is, is going to be can they be disciplined enough on offense to finish off drives and, you know, Talia Tagovailoa avoiding those turnovers? Uh, and then on defense, can they stop anybody when they need to? Um, I think that that's going to be the big question for the Terrapins, but I like having that matchup at home. Um, I think it falls in a good time in the schedule for the Hoosiers. I, I would pick Indiana to win that game, but again, I think we're getting into territory where this is picking blind because I, I don't think we have a clue what the Hoosiers are going to be by that time. And we don't know what anybody else is going to be by that time either. So I think at this point we're, we're picking blind and just um, I, I would consider Indiana the favorite in that matchup as of today, though. And then we go to the next swing game um, with at Rutgers. Rutgers came in and just destroyed IU, but IU was a broken team by that by that time. I thought the, the Maryland game, the loss last year just absolutely destroyed the will of IU. And then they go up to Michigan and, uh, you know, bowl eligibility is off the table. Um, and they just fell flat against Rutgers, uh, and it started with a fumble on the first uh, on the first play. Matt, going into Rutgers, it's um, it's going to be a noon game. Uh, Rutgers came in and won last last year, but before that, Indiana's had their way for with Rutgers since uh, since 2015. W- where do you see this game going? Well, and my other prediction on 247, and maybe the last year's game clouded, I actually picked Rutgers, and it was hard to do because I think Indiana is still the better this better team and the better program. But, man, that was such an awful day. I mean, it was just brutal to watch. It, the, Indiana showed no fight. Like you said, you know, I think the, the, the previous games had kind of sucked the will out of the team. But, I mean, you saw seniors not going hard, you know, older guys not giving it their all, and it was just such a – it was – Honestly, one of the worst games I've ever watched as an IU football fan. There's been a lot of bad games, so to rank that up there says a lot. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to pick Indiana, but just like I said, maybe last year, maybe I'm just too jaded by what happened in that game last year. Um, you know, I do think uh, Schiano is a, is a, he's obviously done a good job. Um, you know, he did it the first time there, and he's doing it again. He's building it in a certain way, and I think they're getting better and better. I think Indiana's talent level is at the, at the at worst on par with them and i would say you know a lot of uh, in uh, most positions better but you know I, I don't i've never been to Rutgers. you have obviously i you know i don't know that they have a great home field advantage i'm assuming it's probably kind of like indiana where for certain games maybe they get good crowds but otherwise it's kind of so 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 i don't know that how much being on the road makes a difference but you know it's a game indiana can win um and honestly it might be a game they have to win if they want to go bowling next year but you know, that game last year just colored me so badly about about IU against Rutgers. Um, and maybe that's unfair to this team because it's, you know, almost a whole new team for, for IU. Yeah, it, it, trying to look at the crowd for, for this game, they get um, 
man, if you're a season ticket holder for Rutgers, this is who's coming in for you. Uh, Iowa, you have Nebraska coming in, you have Michigan coming in, and you have Penn State coming in, um, and, and IU. Um, but there again, Rutgers is going to be coming off a of bye week. Uh, it is a noon game. Uh, Rutgers crowd, they're not, it's not bad. It's, it's, um, it's not as bad as when we went to that Maryland game in what was it, 2015, Matt, where we were like, uh oh, we got the wrong stadium. Um, yeah, was there. yeah, I remember that. Uh, but it, it's, it's a crowd that it, it's the, they love Rutgers football, but I don't think there's that many of them. And if they're coming in with two or three losses, it, it's not going to be a great crowd. They do open the season with Boston College. So that, that could be a loss. You could see them losing to Iowa, Ohio State, and Nebraska. So this could be like a two-win team uh, coming in into the, the IU game, which will make them desperate uh, a little bit as well. And, and coming off an open week, they'll have time to, to prep for Indiana. Plus, they got over that hump that Indiana was just dominating them. They hadn't scored a point in Bloomington before last year since 2015, uh, since that awful 55-52 loss. Uh, for IU so that's I think is another I'll, I'll call it a must win game if you're going to get to a bowl game I think Maryland and Rutgers are both must win games uh, Indiana will get a bye week after that um, uh, on Halloween weekend then this the final four games of the schedule man they're really rough uh, and for IU the last couple of years you kind of avoided these you know murderers row uh, type of endings or type of stretches in the schedule. You have Penn State coming in on November 4th, which I, you know, maybe 2020 was a little bit fluky there uh, in that win. I use only beating them twice. Um, although Penn State has a history of fading down the stretch. I think that goes with, uh, you know, James Franklin, uh, his, his coaching ability and his, I, he doesn't have that step on the neck. Uh, killer instinct that that I think you need there uh, and then you got a trip to Ohio State and Michigan State before closing out with Purdue Matt these four games uh, and then we'll get to TJ these four games how many of them do you think IU has a real chance at winning uh, well my other one I picked them I, I, I picked them to to, uh, to win the last game against Purdue um, part of it is because I just can't pick Purdue to beat Indiana um, no matter how good they are and how bad Indiana is um, but I, I also think Purdue's going to take a little bit of a step back. I know they got Aiden O'Connell back, and he's good, but they've lost some talent at receiver. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much they, they – they have never been a great running team, at least the last couple of years. You know, we'll see defensively. They lost arguably one of the best defensive players uh, outside of, uh, what, Aiden Hutchinson um, and Karloftis. You know, and they had some other guys on that defense that were kind of underrated that played well. So, um, But the first three, I mean, Penn State – you know, I, I agree with you. That's a game where, you know, if, if Indiana's playing good, this season's go, going pretty well. You know, my view on that game might change. I mean, Penn State's a more talented team, but I'm with you. I think Franklin does a great job putting together a roster. He's a great recruiter. I'm just not sure he's the, the most uh, – the, his strength are X's and O's. Obviously, Ohio State. I mean, they're just – they're on a different level. I mean, even with the loss of Michigan last year, I still think they're on a different level than everybody else. I mean, you saw it in that bowl game where they had like their top two receivers out and they still threw for like a gazillion yards. I mean, it's the talent level. There is just ridiculous Michigan state. I mean, Mel Tucker's done a great job. They're recruiting like crazy right now. 
he turned that roster over and it worked. Um, you know, how much did they depend on Kenneth Walker? We're going to find out um, this fall because, um, you know, they when they needed something, they just basically gave him the ball and he, he went and got it for him. So that'll be an interesting game, but it's up there in East Lansing, you know, and that's going to be late in the year. So you could be talking about some really, you know, crappy weather. Um, but I think out of those four, obviously, I think Purdue is the most, the most likely. It's at home. You got embarrassed last year. You're playing for something. You know, even if you're only at four wins going into that game, you're still playing for something. Um, you know, uh, with the bucket and, and the rivalry. Um, obviously, they didn't play for it last year, but you know, I think that's obviously the game that you have the best chance to uh, pull out a W. TJ, your your thoughts on those final four games: Penn State at Ohio State, at Michigan State, and then the bucket game at home. Uh, I would say you've got a chance to win two of those. Uh, I think you, you know, the Purdue game always a shot there, and I agree with Matt. I think there's a bit of a step back. A uh, bit of a regression of the mean for them, although their schedule, uh, gee, I wouldn't mind having Purdue's schedule. Uh, not the most difficult that I've ever seen. Um, again, do away with divisions, please. Uh, I think you can you can get possibly one of Penn State and Michigan State. Um, you know, if you're playing well, uh, those those are winnable games. They're not games you expect to win, but they are gettable. Uh, so maybe, you know, split those two, get Purdue, um, and then the Ohio State game, obviously, that, that's a, a loss until proven otherwise. But um, I think there's a chance in that final four of two and two, if you play really well, uh, you could accomplish that. And that, that would be an accomplishment for sure, if you can finish that stretch at two and two. Yeah, I, I think if you go two and two there, that that's an absolute win, and you're probably heading to a pretty decent bowl game. Um, yeah. The final question for both of you: If IU goes five, it misses a bowl game, but beats Purdue, is that a successful season? Matt, we'll start with you. Well, I mean, when you look at where this program's been under Tom Allen. I would say it's just it's kind of a loaded question. I mean, it, no, it's not a successful season, but to me, this program more than anything needs to get. I mean, it, I guess it depends on how you how how those other those seven games go. I mean, Ohio State's probably going to be a mismatch game, but are you competitive? Now, last yeah. year you lost ten games and you're just getting drilled pretty much every week. Um, you know, there were very few close games. So to me, I'm not I, I'm not trying to say you're it's you're looking for moral victories. But after two and ten, there is a little bit of that in play. I mean, this this program needs to show some improvement. They need to be competitive, and they need to have a chance to get to the postseason of you know getting six wins. So you know, if you go five and seven and you got hammered in seven games, yeah, I, you know, I, I just hate to say five and seven is successful. Um, you know, is it improvement? Is it enough to keep things the way they are as far as you know the staff and all that? I would say yeah. Um, you know. Um, but I, I don't know if I'd call it a successful season, but I would say it's a, it's a, it's after taking however many steps back, you want to say they took last year, it felt like a hundred, but I would think it would be some steps forward and showing that, okay, that you, you, you're getting it back on track. Um, but then I think obviously if that's the case then 23 has to be a bowl season, I mean, it just has to. So, you know, whether I don't mean to dance around your question, it's hard to call it successful, but I do think it could be a positive season, even if you do go five and seven. TJ, over to you. Yep, I, I fall in line with that. Um, is it a success to go five and seven? 
not no no it's not is it a, a failure to go five and seven but beat purdue not really you know i i do think that it's fair and it's okay to uh not have a, a black and white 100 percent right and wrong uh kind of stance on this you know things can fall somewhere in between and i think that's where that season would be a hypothetical five and seven where you're competitive beat purdue that's increasing your win total by three wins um, and being a lot more competitive plus beating your rival. You know, you're not going to a bowl game, so you cannot call it a success based on the way IU has recruited and the talent they do have on the roster and the expectations that, uh, that, that Tom Allen, the guy in charge, has for this program. You can't call it a success. Uh, but I also think it, it would be unfair to classify that as a complete failure either. Um, and I think that kind of the crux of what you're getting at is would a season like that be good enough to justify continuing with the same coaching staff? I, I think that that's kind of ultimately where that question leads you to. Um and I think the answer would be yes, that would be good enough to continue with the same coaching staff. Anything less than that, uh, I think you would have to ask some serious questions if, if you're Scott Olson and um, the other people in charge of making a decision like that. But, you know, we're, we're a long way from having to ask questions like that, so I, I don't think we need to broach it. But, um, you know, I, I – I always, when I'm looking at a schedule like what Indiana has and the, the type of program that, that we know that IU could be but currently is, I really look at those first four games and say, hey, I don't care what the order is, but you've got to find a way to get out of there at least three and one. Look at that first segment of the schedule uh, and really you know, think hard about that. And I think three and one is the minimum for that. And then from there, I think it's too far in advance to really analyze much of it uh, with all the variables at play. Yeah, I agree. If you get out of there three and one, um, at least you're, 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 you could start talking about maybe making a run to a bowl game. Uh, but anyway, thank you, TJ, for joining us today. Thank you to Matt Weaver from Peaks.com. I was always talking about recruiting or schedule breakdown. You can find all his work over at Peaks.com as well. Uh, so that'll do it for our podcast today. Uh, check back at HoosierHuddle.com early and often. We have our 100-day countdown going on. As Matt said, there are a lot of official visits coming up. We'll have all the recruiting news as well. Um, and the season's right around the corner. So thank you guys for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Please subscribe, rate, and, and like the podcast uh, anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Uh, that will do it for today's podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. 
Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.